0: He was just on a different level. He just took off, and um, and a few more guys came around me, and I was just. I was just in the box, that was the end Hey podcast listener you're listening to the semi pro cycling podcast the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about whether you're out training commuting or just riding around sit down and listen in cuz we're about to begin Yo ho welcome to episode 28 of the semi pro cycling podcast where we believe that semi pro cyclists ride for love and not money if you stick around to the end I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who was in the hurt box. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home, home, of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. A quick message before we get going. If you're new to the show, or even if you're not, you can get a structured Semi-Pro Cycling best of reel sent directly to your inbox if you just head over to SemiProCycling.com and click on the banner on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you, and keep those iTunes reviews coming. Cheers, and thank you very much. Now, straight into the news. The Tour Down Under is in full swing and Andre, the gorilla, Greipel, has shown his early season sprinting form, sailing away from the contenders on the first stage. He's not in it for the win this year. They've changed up the route, so it's going to be a different style of rider that's going to come away with the win. But Andre has got a little bit left in him if he can get over some of those hills. I do suspect that we're going to be talking about a different type of rider entirely that's going to be on top of the podium come Sunday and I'm looking forward to finding out who that is and who has the early season form. This mix-up I think is great for the race and good for the sport in general. It keeps everyone fresh. There are a couple of one, two-time winners when it comes to the Tour Down Under. So mixing it up a little gives the spectators and the riders, different riders, opportunities to actually come away with a World Tour win. Now, speaking of World Tour wins, we're talking Wiggins, and he's spoken out finally about his aspirations for 2013, naming the Giro d'Italia, as his number one goal. That is interesting in itself. It kind of leaves the door open for Froome at the Tour, but you can't guarantee that Sir Wiggins is not going to turn around and choose to ride the Tour as team captain as well. It's never a done deal when it comes to Wiggins. Sir Bradley Wiggins, I'm sure he can come and go as he pleases because he is the man that performed last year when it counted so that will be an interesting one come the Giro which I believe is going to sneak up on everybody before we even realize it's going to be May and we're going to be into Grand Tour season and that is what I'm excited for of course we've got to get past all the Spring Classics but the Grand Tours for me this is where I find my excitement but does it mean I'm going to neglect reporting on the big ones. Nuts and bolts time and what I want to talk about this week is cycling coaches. The angle that I'm taking is what you have to do in preparation before you even start looking for a coach. You know, most of us are choosing coaches because we want some reassurance that we're making the right choices and we're getting to the line without having any doubts in our mind. You know, the extra confidence that that gives us and the motivation that we get from that as well. I've had 5 coaches over my cycling career and I was thinking back about you know their styles and how I got them and how well we actually worked together. When I was younger, I must have been hell to work with. I don't know what it was, but whatever reason, I had to be so hands on because otherwise I wouldn't get any of the riding done. These days, it's a little different. My motivation for riding has changed, and so I take control of this and do it myself and I just need a little bit of a guidance and a lot of accountability to get me over the line. Uh, the process and the personalities are such a major factor, even ahead of the results that you're anticipating or you want to get. Just make sure that you're going into the process of finding a coach and being coached with the right mindset. I think the right mindset will make all the difference. And so asking these questions, you know, I've put together 15 questions and asking them of yourself and getting them down on paper and showing them or having them there when you're talking to a coach is really going to let them know that you're serious and you've thought about it. And it'll also give you a really good way to filter out coaches before you even get to the point of talking to them. And so you're not wasting anybody's time. I hope there's a few in here that you find new and valuable and that you can break down a little further and it will just change the way that you're thinking about approaching the situation because a coach is an employee of yours. They're working for you. But the funny thing is you may pay them money and you may give them um, your time and you want results from them. The way that they approach this may not always work with you. A lot of the time you know what you want but you don't always know what you need, and I think that's where a guiding hand with a little bit more experience can help you, especially if you are new to the game and you're just trying to figure out how to work through this relationship. It's probably different to any other relationship that you've ever had because it's not a friend or it's not some stranger It's that in-between place where there's this mutual respect that you've got to have for each other to get the best out of the situation. So let's move straight into question number one, and why do you want a cycling coach? It seems like a crazy obvious question, and it is. But actually sitting down and asking yourself, why do I want a coach, is the very first step you should take because getting it down on paper so writing a paragraph describing what you want or writing a list of what you want because you're going to entrust your training to somebody else the training that somebody else is going to present to you is not always going to be aligned with what you've done in the past or what you think you should be doing and this comes back to that what you think you know what you want and what you really need there may be times if you're an experienced cyclist that you're working with a coach a little more closely to figure out what to come up with in the program and you're not actually just leaving it all up to them but at some level you are giving them permission to then direct you where to go with your training and this takes a lot of trust and respect in the first place. So knowing why you want to coach and what will make you trust a coach is a very good place to start. If you are changing coaches, so if you're going from one to another, then what are the reasons for the change because it's important to clearly understand why you're looking to change and what contributed to the positive or negative aspects of the relationship. So personally, were there misunderstandings between you and your coach? Did the difference of opinion or expectations get in the way? You know, these things are very important to understand. If you skip over these, then the same problems may just happen again. And professionally, did the coach not have enough skills or knowledge to help you meet your goals? That's a pretty straightforward one. But knowing this and then looking and understanding what level that you want next that is going to help you answer the questions when it comes to specific information that they can give you. So number two, what is your budget? There are a gazillion different options out there in regards to budget. You know, we can talk uh, $50 a month up to 500 to to 1000 to plus, plus, plus. But if you're talking to semi-pro cyclist monthly, I believe you can get away with, around 150 a month for a very good relationship that's not daily, but you can get some weekly emails and monthly phone calls. For me, well, that's all I need. It may depend though. It may really depend. And we'll see going through these questions. Hopefully, I can draw out exactly what you need to get the best out of yourself. And just having that monthly budget in mind. And when you start looking at different packages or different coaches and their and their value, So you understand what value you're getting for the money. That will give you a clear idea whether you need to reassess how much you want to spend or you just need to forget about certain things like personalization or whatever. Number three, how much contact do you need or want from the coach at training sessions? So do you need a coach there yelling in your ear telling you to keep going and do better or... Tell you when to start, when to stop. You know, do you need someone there yelling at you? For me, the only time I've had people, two or three people yelling at me is when I'm doing a VO2 max and you ride at the end and they're telling you you're the best athlete in the world. And, uh, you know, you wish you had more energy but you're just focusing on the ride and you're thinking, oh, you're just a wanker. Stop telling me this. So I would hate to have someone telling me that every single ride, but that's just me. And maybe you need this so you can understand how your body reacts and they just push you back in when you start fighting it and you don't actually have the mental strength yet to stick it out for a 20-minute VO2 max interval or, or whatever it is. If you want help with a coach being there at a workout, the only place where I think it's super important is if you're in the gym. So in the gym, when you're talking technique on complicated moves, you know, clean and jerks or even squats, they're very complicated moves. So getting those techniques down early is going to help you when you start moving into heavier weights. And that is really helpful when you can have a coach there, but maybe not your actual cycling coach. Maybe you can get away with just a trainer at the gym that's going to help you, but that's still having someone there with you. So understanding what parts of your training You may have difficulty with and then where you can slot someone in and whether there is someone in that coaching relationship or someone they know or wherever you're training that can do that for you. Number four, how important is it that your coach also be your cheerleader? So this is similar to what I was talking about, but it's it's more of a meta view that some people get motivation from their coach. Other athletes prefer their coaches to be more data-driven and scientific, and coaches can be both. So just how much moral support and motivation do you need from your coach? For me, my motivation really doesn't come from The coach specifically, but what they represent. Accountability. Having someone that you're paying for that's there that expects data and expects you to follow what they're doing, that gets me going every single time. So, understanding how much of that relationship, not just the contact, but the context of that relationship, whether you need it at certain times, you know, that's going to be a really big factor in shaping the way that you approach a relationship. Number five, do you want to be associated with a club or a group? Being associated with a club or a group has its benefits and its drawbacks. I see the benefits, uh, the team support environment can be good if you thrive in that, you know, if you're an extrovert and you need that contact with people. It can help you in regards to technique sessions or you know, cutting the price of gym sessions or whatever, and also can cut the price of training as well. So, if you're happy with that actual environment, then if it was offered, would you go for it? So, understanding this, because there are times where a coach will throw in all of their athletes, and it may not be a team per se but it may just be that you can collectively go for certain group rides together, you're on different training programs but you can all get together, go for rides, talk after but you're still focusing individually on where you want to go. I really see the semi-pro cyclist journey as being one of an individual and not of a team because you get to an age where you just want to do things for yourself. It sounds kind of selfish, but cycling is kind of selfish in its nature when it comes down to you achieving your goals because you're the one that has to get up every single morning and put the work in. No one else can do the work for you. Number six, do you want a highly personalized training plan? So this sort of linked to cost as well, but do you want someone to come and talk to you and put together a specific program-based on your strengths and weaknesses. It really is going to be more expensive and it could be more beneficial. It really depends on where you're at and how you're going to approach your training. But thinking about whether you would be happy if someone just gave you a training program that was just off the shelf, but then they're willing to back it up with phone calls and service and data or whatever. Or you really want to discuss your strengths and weaknesses, what you want to work on, and then adjust the program to that. Maybe that's something a little down the road once you have an idea and you've been racing for a while. And if it's if this is your first coach, then then that's the time when you just sort of do something that's structured and figure out whether that's working over the time period. It's better to start with, something than nothing at all. So if you do have something that you've written or something from online but then have that backup of the coach that's figuring out the actual zones to sit in then that's going to be really beneficial to you and it may be a little bit cheaper and then once you get down the road and you understand your body a bit better you can adjust and you can pay to kind of just change around the way that the coach gives you the training and then the way that you actually want to be trained. Number seven, focus on where you need guidance. So the right coach strikes a balance between sharing cycling philosophy and complementing your personality. You know, so coming to the relationship with an understanding of what you need from the coach. If you're lazy, you know, that's finding someone who promises to kick you in the ass if, if you are being lazy. Or, you know, if you're over keen, someone that just brings you back down and tells you don't ride today. They need to understand you. And this is what I was talking about in regards to it's probably not very easy for a coach to figure this out. Just by meeting you once or twice, they need to work with you when you're probably at your lowest points to figure out how that they can best approach you. So going and meeting them halfway and telling them, look, I know that I'm lazy on the weekends so scheduling an easier ride or shorter rides or or giving me a call is going to get me happening and that's what I need from you. So having that understanding of where you need guidance and focus is going to enable the coach to... Use their skills to then work better for you. Number eight, how much contact outside of actual training sessions do you want with your coach? So I have touched on this, but if you want to have access to a coach at any time, you know, including their personal mobile phone number and have priority on that email list, you got to expect to pay more for this service than limited or no contact at all. For me, I really don't need a coach to talk to every single day. I can figure out if it's gone wrong. I can figure out adjustments that need to be made. So, you know, the arrangement I had with my last coach was once a month. We would meet once a month, face-to-face, and discuss issues. Yes, there would be the odd email back and forth if there was conflicting races or personal events that would crop up and I had to adjust more than one week. But other than that, I didn't need anything more. So understanding how much you need outside of training. You know, if you've got a lot of questions to ask because you're just getting into structured training, then this is the time when you could spend some money up front and think about it like an education. Take notes. Uh, You know, ask the questions that are going to give you answers that can keep answering themselves rather than just getting a program and and riding blindly without understanding. Number nine, do you want the coach to be present at races? Is it really important to you that the coach be physically present at races? If you expect the coach to attend your events, then you've really got to start to be willing to pay more. For me, it's a little too much. Maybe if the coach was a local coach and they're going to be there anyway and you see them, you can have a chat to them. That's kind of all I think most people need. Uh, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but do you really need someone that's going to give you a prep talk before the race? Because, like I said, I feel it's really an individual sport, semi-pro cycling, and you've just got to become self-reliant. Maybe you can talk to your teammates about certain things, or but do you really need someone at a race to talk tactics? It's probably too late if you're talking tactics directly you know, five minutes before you get going. I prefer probably not having someone that's just there and you're paying them and they're just there to yell at you at races or whatever, like hold your biddings or your jacket. It's kind of overrated. Just get a family member. But maybe you need this. Maybe you need this support. It it is kind of nice. You could strike up a deal where you just get a phone call before the race, you know, the night before or whatever, just to talk over any issues rather than having someone there physically at the race. It's not like you need someone, say the relationship between Dr. Alan Lim and Taylor Finney, where he would fly to worlds and he'd be there prepping him and he probably makes all his meals and he, he does a whole lot of things. That's a full service, but you know, that we're talking about a pro where every little thing will count. Kind of for us, it's a little bit different and it's not really going to make a massive difference to your race as a whole. Number 10. At the end of three months, six months, a year or whatever, how are you going to know that the coach-athlete experience was successful? So going into the relationship and understanding what success means to you, you know, like and also how long are you are willing to give it to see this success? Because athlete progress is definitely one measure of successful coach-athlete relationship. Each time you modify your training or your racing goals, you've got to be sure to take a look at defining a successful season. So take a step back and don't just look at the results because you could be in a building phase where it's going to take you two or three years to get where you want to get. So this is the thing about chopping and changing techniques and chopping and changing coaches themselves. Look at the season as a whole, the process, the relationship. You know, you've got to live between these major races. And are you miserable with the style of training that someone's giving you or – You know, Is is it just an excuse because you're not actually putting in the work properly and giving it the best shot and so you just want to change to another method? I think all of these things you need to have a clear grasp of before you walk in the door and start talking to a coach because you've got to figure it out for yourself. You're the one paying for the information. You're the one paying for the relationship and you have to ensure that you know what success means to you outside of just the racing itself. Number 11, how important is it that your coach be very data-driven and open to conversations with you regarding your data? This comes down to methodology in some ways, but do you want to talk about specifics when it comes to data or do you just want to get the adjusted results of your data and then the training program that comes from that? It's pretty straightforward. Some people love talking the details and other people don't. So where do you stand? Do you want to talk details? For me, I love talking about it. You know, I love figuring it out. I love really looking into it. I know how to read power information and I know how to read heart rate information. But talking about it with someone else is just next level and especially when it's about yourself because what's in it for me, everyone loves talking about their own shit. So it just means that you have someone else to bounce the whole process off, and then they go away and create something. It's pretty fun when you get down to it and you feel comfortable with the terminology and the back and forth. But on the flip side, you just may want the information that comes at the end of it. So you just want the training program that pops out at the end. You just want the new zone or whatever it is that comes from the data itself. Number 12, do you have a coaching gender preference? This one, I think it's quite important and it relates to how you react under stress, how you react in critical situations, how you take criticism, who you best take criticism from. There may be, for whatever reason, I'm not going to dive into the psychology of all this, but there may be one reason or another that you take criticism better from a man rather than a woman. And as simple as that sounds, it may be the difference between getting that information and absorbing it and then doing something with it rather than it just bouncing off and you're just defensive or whatever. It could have other factors but this may play some role. So having a pre-thought as to who you will take the harsh information from, you know, when you're at your worst and you've failed and you're feeling like crap, who will you take information from? And that could be the difference between getting a result from the information that you've been given or just fending it off and not actually using it and nothing happening from it. And number 13 is is similar in some ways, but how important is it that your coach be similar to you in age or any other aspect in your life? So the same thing, if you think about the worst case scenario that you've just bombed out of a race, you did something wrong, you made someone crash. You know, and then you're on the phone to your coach the next day. They're telling you, you made this mistake, you made that. How well will you take this from them? Do you have trouble empathizing with certain people? So do you have trouble taking that information from someone that's 10 years younger than you? Would you have a hard time having, you know, some 20-year-old telling you that you did it wrong? You know, of course, it depends on who it is. But overall, you can you can come to the relationship with this understanding that someone that, is your age, that has the same family situation as you, you know, they have an understanding about how you do things. They can talk to you on the straight, you know, at your level and it makes it easier for you to absorb that information. Is this something that you need to think about specifically or on a whole do you just not have a problem with it at all? Can you get information from, I don't know, someone that's just the exact opposite of you, whatever it is? 14 how important is it the coach also be racing or have raced in your sport there are of course two strains of thought here the one where you want the information from the person that's been there whether it's at the highest level or or at least what you're doing you know they can understand exactly where you've been and they can give you the best information or the person that doesn't ride the bike or hasn't been in the exact races that you've done, can you take information from them? Do you think they have a unique perspective that they can offload to you? Do they have the, the runs on the board in regards to you know, their past experience, which is enough to give you the right information and inspire you to do better? When you look at pro cyclists or very good cyclists that become coaches, it doesn't always correlate that a rider turns into the best coach. It may be better in some ways that someone from the outside looking in can give you a bigger picture of and make you understand things better. Of course, it is going to come down to your preference, but thinking about this and the type of person that you really want to work with, my preference is probably somebody that has ridden a bike. I have had one coach that hasn't, probably the least respected out of all the coaches that I've worked with. I would say that someone that has done cycling for me, that is One of the things that I look for, they don't necessarily have to have done the exact discipline that I'm doing, but at least close to it or at least endurance. But what is important to you? That's the big question to ask. And number 15, the final one, which in some ways, it is one of the most important ones. And this is what technique does the coach use to train? So you want to first answer how do you want to train how have you trained in the past and how would you adjust it do you want to go in and just do heart rate do you want to go in and just do power because that's going to be a very quick filter you know if a coach can't do power training and you want to do power bang they're gone but then you want to get into the methodology behind how they actually put their programs together you know do they follow structure Based on Joe Friel, or is there some other person that they're basing their program on? Or do they just come at it because they've had 30 years experience themselves? They've developed their own system. These types of questions are going to get you a clear idea of whether you can work with them. Because if you think about how you react, so how you react to a certain type of training and whether it works for you, how much you can control. Or jump in the conversation with the coach if it is a training technique that you're familiar with. This is going to be important when it comes down to you actually doing the work. So the actual workouts that are prescribed, whether you're familiar with them, how much adjustment time is it going to take to get used to them? Or if it's something that's totally new and radical, is it going to be a waste of your time? Can the coach sell it to you? Is it something that you think you're going to get benefit from even though you've done it differently in the past? So just understanding where you're at, how you think you'll adjust to training, what type of training you've done in the past, and that will kind of guide you to a coach that – will at least understand you a little bit better in regards to you know your physical abilities and where mentally you're at with volume or whatever element of the training that you're doing. So that's a rundown. Now I know 15 questions is a lot, a lot to think about. In regards to the questions themselves, I've got them listed on the website so you can just go and grab them and answer them for yourselves. But as far as the big picture, it's really just trying to set up your approach and how you think about things, and what you think is important. Remember, you're the one that's employing this person. You're the one that is ultimately in control. Whether you take some of that c- control and give it to them, you know, these are all still up to you. So, figuring out where you stand is going to be halfway to getting a really good coach. The other half is breaking them down, looking for them, running them through this filter getting a short list and then interviewing them and talking to them about all of these different elements and how they do them and then getting a feel. I don't think you're gonna actually tick off all of them, but you wanna tick off as many as possible. And then just gut feeling. Like it's not all an academic approach here. It's it comes down to gut feeling, whether you get on, you have an instant rapport, you know, all of those things. Quickly before we move on here Just where to start looking. Now, you can just type it into Google, cycling coach, and you can just go from there. But you really do want to start with someone that has at least done some minimum training. I'm not all for the heavy, the have to have done, a Bachelor of Science or whatever, whatever. But I think just some minimum training in the actual discipline that you're wanting to get coached in. So just start looking at your national cycling Federation, USA Cycling, British Cycling, Cycling Australia. They have all got directories on their websites where you can go to and start to narrow down. With the age of the internet, local is not as important, and there are a lot of online coaches. So you can get some gnarly dude from Belgium helping you out with your cyclocross or whatever. So just go out there, figure out what you want, ask a whole ton of questions, come away with a gut feeling on where it wants to go, stay committed to it, and I do believe you'll see results if you stick with it long enough. The tech hacks and products section this week, I'm looking at a website that's a little to the side of the normal semi-pro information, and it's called doliquid.com, and the easy way to describe it is the Airbnb for bikes. If you don't know Airbnb, what it is, people Renting their homes, renting their rooms, their personal homes and rooms to other people. So it's the same thing for bikes here, where you have a bike and you put it on there and you can rent it daily, weekly, whatever the arrangement that you come up with. I think this is great for traveling cyclists because there are some serious bikes on there that you can actually hire. So you can jump on a proper bike, whatever it is mountain bike or road bike and go for a ride, go and thrash it. But you can also rent your own bike out if you've got bikes just sitting around. This is a great way for people to get on bikes, not have to take bikes all the time when they're traveling, mixing it up so not just going and doing some training on a bike but also if you're in a city, you can jump on a half-decent bike because the, half the problem with any of these rental companies are the bikes are so shit that you jump on them and it just feels like you're in a different world because you're on this fat-ass seat and the brakes don't work properly, and the gears are clunky or whatever. So jumping on something that's a little more dialed, hopefully, at least looking a little bit more sexier, it's going to be a great way to get around the world and actually be able to jump on something cool. Now, the quote from the top of the show, it's Steel Van Hoff. Steel Van Hoff, he is the young Aussie that's riding for Garmin Sharp. He spent last year in the development team. Now, he's stepped up to the world tour. He got third at the Aussie Nats last week so i'm super pumped for the dude i'm glad that there is no pro sheen yet on his interviews and you can get a little bit inside there i feel that generally that the pros give crap interviews because they're so polished that the information they give you is just oh it's just generic crap that anybody could probably come up with even though they've never ridden in a pro race but you know end of rant good luck this year still It's time to play with the big boys and see what you got. I hope you give them lots. I'll be following you and I'll report back on your first win. So fingers crossed. Hope it happens soon. And that's it. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into.